0: Welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Buchanan, along with my handsome co-host, Julian Edlow. Another background. Actually, that's the same thing for Monday. No, We're
1: back- I'm kind of going. It's in my office, my spacious, yep. luxurious office. Yep. It's more of a large closet. But you can right. get more than one camera angle in here if you are watching on YouTube. Um, you know, in past weeks, we've had a lot of problems with the sun over there. I don't know how to put up the curtains. Correct. so um i have to just move it's the easier option and it actually gives a better better background it
0: does it, it, it makes a big uh, a great background and as you see here we have our guest if you're watching on youtube ben Rasa from Awesomeo.com. he's got a great background i don't know why you can't you know copy what ben has ben's got it all you know some figurines some pictures some you know yeah, banners yeah. It's beautiful
1: there's animals horses a made-up <laughs> hockey team <theme. laughs> I hit for the cycle there. Yeah, I put up yes.
2: anything and everything I had uh, behind me, figuring it would please someone. So, uh, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Yeah, of course. But you know, Ben and uh, Julian, we're going to go over the NFL board. These guys are going to talk about things that I am no good at. So I'm. It's going to be a short appearance for me here. But they're going to talk some college hoops. They're going to talk some football. Um, so we'll get to that football, later in the sh- in the show. But um, let's just get right into the week 13 board. This is probably going to be a lengthy podcast. So let's not waste any time here. Before the show started. Um, you know, I asked Ben if he had any, you know, inkling on this Thursday night game, uh, any primetime games at this point. I, I just want nothing to do with like, I feel like we all have been here. I just got to come out and say it now. Like these primetime games have been horrific. You know, whatever we saw on Monday, like it was just a, another example of that. Um, you know, Ben, I know you mentioned that you like the under in this game here, but like I really don't want to take a side. The Cowboys have moved up to minus six now as favorites on the road against the Saints. I, I mean, I think this is just going to be an absolute slot fest with, you know, Taysom Hill being under center. Um, but if you had any lean in this one, it sounds like the under is the play for you.
2: Yeah, normally I would talk about the short week, but these teams played on Thanksgiving, so that's not even the case. Right. It's just a situation. My biggest thing really seems with no Kamara that Taysom Hill really, if nothing else, should grind up a lot of clock. And if that happens, yeah. uh, it could be very methodical. I still respect the Saints front. I think that Dallas won't be able to run a, a ton, yeah, they've got weapons on the outside, but the thing I feel most confident in truly is that it's a pretty ugly game and Taysom Hill really helps that. So if I had to take anything, it would be the Sunder.
1: So I put out my Thursday night football best bets article uh, this morning, Thursday, December 2nd, um, tough game for best bets, but I, I got one thing in it. I'm looking to add later the one thing I put in there was the Taysom Hill rushing prop over. So it kind of works a little bit with, with what Ben's going with, that Taysom Hill is going to grind up this game. Now, it opened on Wednesday at 32 and a half. I wrote it up this morning, a little less value, but four yards. I think it's fine there at 36 and a half. It's since moved to 41 and a half. Yeah. I wrote that I would be fine if, you know, if you want to bet a prop in tonight's game, I would be fine with it up to 44 and a half. It probably doesn't feel good betting it at 44 and a half when you know it opened 32 and a half though. So that's kind of personal preference. Um, I wrote it up at 36 and a half. I think it should get there. He started in the four starts he had last year. He averaged 53 rushing yards per game. He's got a couple of games that he's come into this season carrying six times, one for, I think it was 32, one in the high twenties. The last time we saw him in week 10 against Tennessee he had three, just three carries for 23 yards. Um, so in his starts, he averages 9.7 carries per game. So just on volume, you know, this 10 carries, 40-something yards feels about right. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he got to 50, as he generally does in his other starts. So that's just about the only thing that I saw that piqued my interest in this game. Yeah, Not a great game for betting, but uh, that is the prop that jumped out to me. Especially, And then you have uh, no Kamara. Yep. that could lead to a little more rushing. And 2-0 linemen out, which could lead to, I know Tizum Hill runs a lot of set plays, that could just lead to, you know, you get a 12-yard scramble there and you're off to a great start.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Like, there's really nothing that jumps out at me in this game, so I will happily put this one to bed and we can talk about some games we actually care about because this is not one of them. If you look at the board for Sunday, um, you know, Julian, you and I talked about this on the uh, on the Tuesday show, but we're kind of back to those you know, unfavorable lines when it comes to betting, especially with some of these favorites. You know, we got two teams on the main slate uh, favored by double digits, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 11 against uh, the Falcons. And then you have the Rams who can't trust this team right now. Oh, and five against the spread over the last five games, minus 12 and a half against the Fal- against the, uh, the Jaguars at home in this one. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Dude. I mean, are we just ignoring these two teams, even though they're massive favorites here, like, Especially when you look at the, the Buccaneers, they haven't been a great team against the spread as it is, but they're one in five on the road against the spread. So asking them to cover a double digit spread in this scenario, it's a putrid Falcons team, first and foremost, but you just can't trust. I feel like either of these teams, despite them being the biggest favorites on the board.
1: Um. Yeah, so like I said, I don't, I don't know how to bet these big favorites. I'm not going to bet any of them. If I did anything, it would be a two-leg teaser, and it would be something along the lines of Cardinals Colts. If if as long as they're both under three, as long as it's we're talking like two and a yeah. and better here, um, maybe something like that. Like I said, I I told Steve this on Tuesday, Ben. I tried to get cute a little while ago. I was looking to. You know, I did bet the Patriots on Thursday night against the Falcons and they, they came through the closing line hasn't mattered lately for the Patriots. They keep getting it done. Yeah. But I was like, so when the Patriots do get to seven, you know, the value's not there. They were four. What do we tease them with? And I looked at all the teaser legs on the board and I was like, I can't find one. So what I'm going to do is I'll get cute, go three legs and go Patriots money line, Tampa money line on Monday night, which beat uh, the giants that week. And I'll take the Titans money line against the Houston Texans. And what do the Titans do? They lose that game. So like, even if you try and get cute because you don't like a teaser and make it into an even heavier three leg money line, probably like it doesn't get there for some reason in the NFL right now. So if anything on these big spreads, I will find two that I can get to under a field goal and tease them, but I can't even guarantee that I'll get there.
2: I hear you, man. It's been, I, you know, it's not even just these divisional games. Like, like, I think if I had to, Take a position on the Jaguars or the Falcons. It would be the Falcons at home divisional game. The first matchup, not that this is the end all be all, you look at it and you say, oh, 48 25. It was a lot closer than that. Tampa scored it twice really on cool. defense. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there are opportunities there for the Falcons. But as you guys said, I mean, there's a lot of things I may do on Sunday. Backing the Falcons as 11 point dogs <laughs> yeah. is not one of those. doesn't sound like happened. any fun. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a good Sunday, no matter what happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just it's been ugly,
0: you know. And uh, that line just feel it, it's a strange line. First and foremost, minus eleven. Like I feel, I don't, I don't even recall a time this season where we've seen a team be like minus eleven, uh, I, I guess, especially yeah. on the road here as well.
1: We've had them, and the road, te- the road favorite of eleven covers more often than not, right? Um, but that's the way this NFL season is going. Like we said, we have seven. Teams, I think, are favored by a touchdown or more. Five of them on the road, like we talked about on Tuesday, which is wild. Yep. Um, Uh,
0: One of the games that's taken uh, some significant movement, though, especially over the last, like, uh, day or so, has been the Colts. They are now nine-and-a-half-point favorites um, against the Houston Texans. It was actually up to ten a couple of hours ago. Um, Do you make anything of of such a large jump there, Ben, over the past uh, day or so?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, the Colts with Jonathan Taylor. I think everyone from DFS to betting is expecting a healthy dose of him. And then, yeah, you know, Houston, I do think that's probably a product. I'm not saying it's wrong of what we saw last week. I, I thought that was a game that, I mean, really uh, against the Jets of all teams, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor. I thought there was a real argument to say that Houston was a much better team if they would have had him the whole year. But I think that narrative maybe has been thrown out the window. So I'm not shocked to see the Colts, you know, people remember what they did to Buffalo uh, on the road. Maybe that surges around 10, as you've talked about. Julian, any thoughts about that? Because we were talking about this on Tuesday. This was probably one of the more enticing
0: teaser pieces, but now, you know, getting it at, at um, getting it down to three and a half is obviously not a, as appealing as a number as it was on Tuesday. Are you uh, kind of leaving this one off the board or are you still somewhat interested in this Colts team?
1: Only if it some for some reason goes back to eight and a half um, and you can tease it down to two and a half other. Otherwise, it's nothing for me here. We'll see what John uh, is. Jonathan Taylor's rushing prop out. It might be Uh, It Um, is not out as of yet. Okay. yeah, it's not. Um, All right. So that's maybe a spot to look at. It's going to be a huge number. But uh, like once they get ahead and they should get ahead. They like, just keep going with Taylor. Like, that That Bills win, Carson once had, like, 100 passing yards, and they just keep handing it to Jonathan Taylor. So, like, uh, in theory, the Colts get their lead in this game by handing it to Jonathan Taylor and then hold the lead by handing it to Jonathan Taylor against an awful run defense. Like, right. this is one of those spots where and, – and he's having such a great season that they kind of want to keep that going, have him set some records, have him be in the MVP discussion. Um, this feels like a spot where – Jonathan Taylor has like a 200 yard, three touchdown game. Um, so, yeah, maybe Taylor props you can look at. And then another really good, just to throw a rushing prop out there before we finish up and talk a couple of games that we actually do like. Uh, Joe Mixon is on the board on Drafting Sportsbook. 86 yep. and a half, big number. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon has been carving people up lately um and the chargers are the worst run defense in the nfl in terms of yards per game allowed games at home for cincy slight home favorite Mixon, obviously if you're playing dfs he's a guy on your radar so it's not surprising you but Mixon to get that over feels good he's been scoring he's been having a lot of multi-touchdown games so yeah you don't want to lay all the juice with him to score but taking Mixon for two plus touchdowns isn't out of the question for me either
2: i'm all about Mixon. yeah i Anybody think thought? actually oh absolutely Absolutely.
0: I mean, he's carried the ball 58 times over the past two weeks uh, in games that have been, been basically been blowouts. Now, I don't think that this game is going to be a blowout by any means, but Bengals are home favorites in this one. And mixing at 86 and a half, like, it's a high number. But do you really look at that and go, oh, it's too high? Like, absolutely not. Like, I don't even know what number I would even consider the under at this point. Like, maybe if we're creeping into, like, the mid-90s, I would have to consider it. But, like, 86 and a half? I, if you're not smashing the over on that one, then I mean, I don't know what else to tell you, especially against this run defense that has been so bad in a, a Chargers team that it seemingly seems like it's falling apart at this point. Like Herbert's been, you know, a bit in, ineffective over the past couple of weeks, j- generating a lot of turnovers. But with the way the Bengals are playing 86 and a half, that just feels too low. Like maybe even by by about, you know, seven, eight yards at this point, like I would be playing this up into
2: the mid 90s. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys just to, it's the volume. Like it it seems yeah. like a high number, but if you're going to give me 20, 22 carries, it's like four yards a carry against a team. You know, they're allowing 4.7 yards per rushing attempt. They seem content to do that. It, it seems like that's the Chargers philosophy is don't, you know, limit big plays and let people carve you up on the ground. I don't know why that would change when, since he's clearly got a formula working lately.
1: So
0: we were talking, um, uh, go ahead, Julie.
1: I was just going to say, so we we are having, uh, you know, after Ben and I talk college football, we're having James Alberino from Spread Investor on the show to mostly talk some NBA. He is going to give out a play on this Bengals Chargers game. Um, but does anybody besides like mix and rushing Anybody got anything on a side on this game? If you don't save it, because we'll have a play later in the podcast.
0: It's too close right now. I mean, it's you know, I I would be leaning towards the Bengals if I if, you know, I I had a choice here as the the home favorites. But with the line with how it's set right now, I mean, it's hard to really hammer down who you like. The NFL is just so difficult at this point. Right. Like at this point, we should expect like a a 12 point blowout from the Chargers with the way the line is set. Um, I would lean Bengals in this one, but this is not a game I'm looking to actively take a side on.
2: Yeah, if there was two and a half out there, it would be sincere, sincere pass, but certainly not a priority
1: for me. All right. Let's talk about games that we enough of scrolling through games saying this one's too hard. This one's too hard. Let's talk about things that we're actually betting. Um, Being conservative in the NFL is obviously the way to go right now. Um, I have one bet on on Sunday so far. Um, I laid the three with the 49ers on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it's currently three and a half at even money on DK Sportsbook, so I think you can. I think you can just go alternate spread. Alternate spread technically is just buying the half point and lay the minus one twenty or one fifteen to get the minus three. Um, I, don't, I saw enough from the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. They stink. <laughs> Russell Wilson since coming back from injury stinks. He's just not the same guy, and the defense is no good against the run or the pass. Um, so the only way, you know, when the defense is kind of the legion of boom has been slowly going downhill for years now in Seattle. And the only way they stick in games is Rush, Russell Wilson's kind of magic offensively. And that magic is not there. So the 49ers have been pretty good the last few weeks. I expect them, you know, Eli Mitchell has 27 carries a piece in each of the last two games. I expect them to really run it down Seattle's throat in this one. Um, You know, home field advantage is as meaningless as it's ever been in the NFL. So you don't have to be afraid to bet against Seattle in Seattle anymore. Uh, And I just think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and those weapons, even without Debo Samuel, will be good enough to pick apart that Seattle defense. I think three is too short of of a number in this one.
0: I think this is actually my favorite game total to take the under on this week. It's actually climbed about a point and a half since yesterday it was at 45 now it's at 46 and a half so I like the under even more the the Seahawks are one nine and one with the over this season that is the worst in the league as you can imagine I mean I don't think that you can get any worse than that but they've been absolutely putrid and then you see what you see on Monday where are they going to score who's going to do it for them I don't have a clue
1: so, I mean, in theory, you could get the ball to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and those guys could score like they used to, but sure. But they have to get the ball first and that, yes. I mean,
0: that's not looking like it's something that's going to be efficient. Now, you know, the the, the uh, 49ers have been decent at hitting the over and I'm fine with them, you know, scoring plenty in this game, but is the Seahawks going to be able to make up the difference? I don't feel confident. Like from what you saw on Monday, like I, what, where do you think that the, the Seahawks are going to score in this game? Go ahead,
2: Ben. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. I just I can rule out running the ball. They have the Seahawks right. <laughs> cannot run the ball. That's not happening. So, unless they find a way to get Lockett and Metcalf and you know Gerald Everett is taking on 10 targets, Ooh. that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. So, I get it. Uh, obviously, Debo will be missed, but the 49ers have a blueprint and Eli Mitchell can handle a serious workload. They've got Kittle. Ayuk will be fine. Jennings is catching touchdowns. I mean, it, it's hard to think that Seattle isn't cemented in the
1: basement of the West right now. They are cemented in the basement. <laughs> so confirmed. that that's my only Sunday play right now. Um, anybody else got anything for Sunday before we go to the game of the century on Monday night football.
0: Um, so I do. And this kind of incorporates that that game, um, the Patriots game, but uh, I did Eagles. fire on a the Eagles. Patriots. Um, Patriots, uh six point tees are there, so you're getting the Eagles down to minus one. And then you're getting the, the Patriots up to nine. So you're getting some some good numbers there on that. Uh, was waiting on you know the news of Jalen Hurts if he was going to be in this game or not. Obviously, he said that he's good to go. The ankle isn't much of an issue. They should be able to beat the Jets and then. You know, of course, we'll talk more about this in a second here, but, you know, just love getting the Patriots um, as underdogs going against the Bills, the Bills team who was going in the wrong direction. While the Patriots are just an absolute freight chain uh, uh, right now, I don't think you can say enough about how much the Bills will miss Tredavious White um, and with how accurate Mac Jones has been. I mean, the dude can just get the ball in anybody's hands at this point. And I'm not even just saying this because we live in Boston. I am not a homer by any means, but like you have to love what you're seeing from Mac Jones and how accurate he is. No, I'm no Adam Kaufman. So don't shake your head.
1: Okay. That guy is absolutely. Well, we homer. can bring Co- we can bring Kaufman on for uh, for a weekly Patriots bet.
0: That sounds awful. We'd never get to talk. The guy never shuts up. Why would you want to bring Adam Kaufman on the show? That's a horrible. That
1: thing. was a, that was a joke.
0: I know it was, but I'm just making sure. But making we sure do better on knows. the Patriots
1: weekly now. The thing is, it's been working. Yeah, right.
0: Um, so, so yeah, so getting the Eagles down to minus one and then they getting the Patriots up to plus nine. Um, I like I like that uh, six-point teaser a lot.
1: Ben, got you got one.
2: anything else? I got for one. Uh, it, none of these games feel good, but honestly, the Dolphins have shown me a little lately. They've shown some life. The, the spread is moving. There's four, four and a half. I'm okay with any of those numbers. I don't really think it matters if you have Glennon or Daniel Jones on the other side, neither of those <laughs> guys really worry me and say what you want about Tua. I think it's definitely open for debate, but him with and, and Waddle, well. these guys are doing enough. And obviously Miami's defense, when they put on pressure, they can turn the ball over. I think we kind of see that they're at home. They're, they're winning games and I don't think the giants are that much uh, better than the likes of the Carolina and the jets and the Texans, and they beat Baltimore in there as well. So I think Miami kind of keeps it rolling and beats some of these inferior opponents they've been facing.
0: Ben, you know what it is? I think the perception on them is still so low because of how slow they came out of the gates. Yeah. But They were dealing with so many injuries, and now that they're healthy, like I liked the Dolphins before the season started because I'm like, look, that defense is going to roll. But they had so many injuries in the beginning, and then they just lost all these games. And like that, that, that narrative for them hasn't flipped yet. And I think like, this is a perfect example. Cause like if that team started off healthy, there is no chance in hell that they're only minus four and a half favorites against that giants team this week. I don't, so I feel like you're still getting some good value on the dolphins there because people are still low on them, but they've been rolling over the past few weeks. Like if you watch that team, they're a good team from top to bottom, truly with, with the offense, with the offense and, and how good they've been playing defensively. Like I just feel like you're getting a
2: good value because people just aren't high on this team at all. I think they've found a blueprint. I mean, first of all, they're not giving up a lot of points. They've given up 17 or less points in these four games. They beat your juggernaut Patriots to start the year, so you know that's legit. (laughs) Uh, Fake win. Yeah, certainly a fake win. We can thank Harris for that. (laughs) But uh, I just think that this team, you know, Steve, you're spot on. They are kind of a tier above some of these teams, and we're starting to see that, but I don't think the spreads have fully reacted just yet. Right.
1: Totally. All right, that's that's all fair. Um, Steve and I obviously like the Patriots on Monday night. I think the the white injury is going to play a pretty big factor. It will be a real road test to see what Mac Jones can do in a real road atmosphere, um, you know, in a stadium where adult toys get potentially thrown at you on the field. Um, it's going to be a lot different than going to Atlanta and playing in front of a 25% capacity in a primetime game. Um, so it will be tough, but I like where the Patriots are at. Duggar COVID related potential news, uh, isn't great. He's been awesome on that defense. I'm hoping that he is, um, out there, but yeah, I'm on the Pats minus three. I do think they win the game. They've been the more consistent team. Um, and they're really rallying around this run. Whereas the bills bounce back as they should in new Orleans on Thanksgiving, but, uh, they've been super inconsistent. We've already talked about the game plenty, but Ben you're here. I know you're leaning towards or betting the bills in this one. Make, make the case for us before we, uh, kick Steve out and go to college football.
2: Yeah. Tough game. I have not bet it yet. I think I'm probably sure. going to lean to the bill side and I think it's more situational. Uh, Patriots look great. There's no doubt. They have played teams where almost every team is missing a yes. focal point of the offense. And I, I think they've gotten that and they've taken advantage obviously, but what I want to see and, and Mac Jones has answered every call. I don't think that the Patriots will be able to run down their throat. So it's going to fall to this yeah. passing game a little bit. And obviously in that atmosphere with Josh Allen on the other side, I think that the Patriots to win the game are going to have to be pretty dynamic on offense. If they can do that, they check another box and they probably assert themselves as the team to beat in some ways in the AFC. But I do think that the bills are going to show up and do some things that Tennessee and Cleveland and Atlanta and those type of teams just were unable to do to the Patriots. If this moves to three and a half, would you still be interested in the bills or would you side into the Pats at that point? I wouldn't take it at three and a half. No, I, I think that this is one uh, this is a tough game. And when you're talking yeah. about, like, hooks like that, that's a serious, serious half right. point. So uh, I, I respect New England enough to probably leave it off my car. I don't think I would bet New England there, but it would be, it would be a pass for me.
1: Fair. Yep. All right. Uh, there's some NFL. Steve's getting out of here. We will be right back. Um, it is conference championship weekend in college football. We will talk about some of the uh, biggest games of the year. All right cut some dead weight. Steve Buchanan's out of here. Welcome back into the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. Um, follow me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. Our guest, Ben Ross of Osmo.com sticks with us. Follow him on Twitter at Jazzaraz right? Jazza Yes, sir. I that's DFS. There it is. Um, all right. It is conference championship weekend in college football. Awesome time of year. Much smaller board to focus on. Huge games to focus on two of them on Friday night. First one kicking off is Western Kentucky and UTSA. This one has been on the move a lot. I took Western Kentucky here in a pick. Um they're now minus 3. I don't I don't hate it. Total 72 and a half. Um I think Western Kentucky who lost this game the first time around has enough in the tank to uh to get it done um in in the conference championship game kind of adapt to that that lost they have some more under their belt with the first year offensive coordinator the first year quarterback all transferring over from houston baptist i don't mind it at three that's about as far as i would go i'm happy to have it at a pick first game featured 98 points i would play the over 72 and a half if you wanted to play on the total what do you got in this one ben
2: yeah i'm in line with you i think that western kentucky they want to throw the ball. I think they do avenge that first one where they lost by six points. UTSA lost last week. Their quarterback got banged up. I do think he's going to come back and play here, but it's yeah. just pretty simple. I think that Western Kentucky's passing attack is going to expose this team a little more. I thought they should have won the first game. The line says it all. You got it at pick I got it at two. Now it's up to three. I think the time is now because I have a feeling it closes north of three and we're both on the Hilltoppers.
1: I didn't think it would move this far. I yeah. wish I had, I'm in for one unit. I wish I had gone bigger and then you just take that three and a half and, and try and hope for a little bit of a, a middle on some of your play. I still want some exposure to Western Kentucky, but the bigger game on Friday and obviously the PAC 12 championship, we saw it two weeks ago. It was a beatdown in Utah. Um, the Utes eliminating the ducks essentially from the college football playoff situation. Now they play again. I've been saying this all year. I, I had Utah at plus 450 to win the division cash that I wish I had them. There were like 10 to one, 12 to one in this game at one point when they lost so much earlier in the season, I've been saying this, if they went with cam rising out of the gates instead of Charlie Brewer, this team would pretend, probably be in pl- college playoff football. You know what I'm saying? In contention to make the playoffs, but I don't know why I stumbled over my word there in contention to make the playoffs. they would probably be a, maybe a one loss team and that's good enough this year. I have laid it again with Utah, Utah minus two and a half. I I think we're going to see a lot of the same. You can make the argument that Oregon now playing, you know, with house money, they don't have the pressure of making the college football playoff, could get a bounce back win um, without as much on the line. But matchup wise, I think this all lines up for Utah. And that's why we saw the beatdown we did the first time. It's not a home game. It's in Vegas, but Utah minus two and a half um, is a pretty strong play for me on Friday night.
2: Yeah, I think you like it a little more than me, but I still lean to Utah. First of all, I can't agree more. Charlie Brewer, you know, the Baylor transfer, that was not the answer early. They dropped. They were one and two. They've hit their stride. They've been fantastic. I I think if Oregon falls behind again, it's curtains. They're not built like that. I, I, You know, I expect them to play a hell of a lot better. But at the same time, Utah's got great personnel. They can do a lot of different things. Strong defense. They're the best team in the Pac-12. And I I do think ultimately they're going to show that.
1: I'm a Utah fan in the Pac-12. I'm just so sad that they didn't have Cam Rising from the start, and we're not talking about a playoff team here.
2: Did you see those helmets though that they wore against Oregon with the ship on them? That was yeah, slightly disturbing. And but... like the
1: gray jerseys, those were pretty yeah. nice. Not bad. Uh, you don't like them as much as me. Mm-hmm. Just like Definitely you don't not. like Utah as much as me. I'm just I'm all in on Utah. You're I'm all like about Georgia. it. Okay. Um, all right, we're on to Saturday noon window. I'm gonna let you have the floor first before we get to the actual games. <laughs> um Kent State Northern Illinois I got nothing here I do know that Kent State has been on the move they're now a three and a half point favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook you can maybe get some threes there what do you got in this one so
2: they're gonna be points 74 and a half point total this is similar to the Western Kentucky situation like the first time these teams played nearly 100 points Kent State cannot stop anybody Northern Illinois cannot stop anybody Kent State is a team I have a ticket. I've got them to win the Mac ticket. So I'm really hoping that I can I can crush crush number, that, cash that nine to one. Uh, what did you say? What number? Nine yeah. to one. Nine to so, one. not bad for a team that played a really tough non-conference schedule. And obviously, once they got in against competition like this, I think they've shown that they're the best offense in the Mac. And that honestly means the most. The other thing to keep an eye on, last thing I'll say, Northern Illinois' quarterback did not play last week. They were assured of this game. So maybe it was precautionary. But if he doesn't play again, I really like Kent State. I have a feeling he will. Either way, I'm going to take the golden flashes to get it done. Would prefer three, of course, if I can find it.
1: There you go. Um, All right. Also in that noon window, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Um, I don't, you know, beginning of the year, uh, I believe Oklahoma to make the Big 12 championship game was minus 335 on DK Sportsbook. And that was a good number. There There were minus fours uh out there and here we are of course with baylor and oklahoma state if oklahoma state wins this game and other things fall in place for them you can make the argument that they are in contention for the college football playoffs so this is a big one for them i made a small one unit play and i'll have my best bets article out for uh this slate on the dk playbook thursday night friday morning small one unit play baylor plus five and a half i like them in this game uh, conference championship weekend generally caters to favorites um, college football. In general, you like dogs. This weekend, you generally like favorites. This is one of the only dogs that I am embedding. I'll play the five and a half with Baylor. Smaller play, obviously, not super confident in it. Um, let me know what you're thinking on this one.
2: So these teams played 24 14 the first time for Oklahoma State at home. To me, they're kind of carbon copies of each other. Very strong defenses, not great offenses.
1: I wish, I will say, I wish I'd got, I think the total opened like 48 and a half, 49. It that dropped. would be a good under.
2: Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. I don't, this is not related to what you're asking. I don't think that Oklahoma state should be in the playoff. Like if Cincinnati wins and they get jumped, I will be very upset. Uh, That's (laughs) I don't think that's,
1: I don't, I think since, I think Oklahoma state would have to be behind Cincinnati still.
2: I would hope I would hope, but having said that, I think this could be a competitive game. The one thing I want to point out with Oklahoma state. Yes. They've got one loss. They've got a bunch, five or six wins this year by a touchdown or less. They've been very fortunate. Those are kind of coin toss games. You know, they beat Boise State by one. They beat Missouri State by seven to open, Tulsa by five early in the year. So just, they're a fine team. I don't know how good they really are. I don't know how good Baylor is. I think a very low scoring game. This is the game that I would like to beat. Less, last bet on the card. I don't have a feel here. Uh, I, I, This is a pass for me. The tough game to really break down.
1: Very fair.
2: Yeah. Um... Get them at it. It should be Oklahoma. They should have won last week.
1: I I know. I had them. I had them in a parlay with Alabama to win their division and Oklahoma to make the Big Twelve championship. I thought that was a lock that I made preseason. Um, all right, we'll see if we can. There's a couple smaller games in the afternoon. If we have time, we'll loop back to them. SEC championship game. Georgia's a six and a half point favorite over my Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, I'm a Bama guy. I just close my eyes and bet Bama every week historically. And I do just fine, including the first half. This year is the year that I get my butt kicked um, for all those years of profit. They're just not the same. They're not the same. The offense isn't the same. The defense isn't the same. And Georgia's defense is a well-oiled machine. The way that the Heisman is looking this year. Like if you could just give the Heisman to the Georgia defense, I feel like that would be the most appropriate way to do it with no clear cut favorite at all. Um I don't, I mean, I want to root for Alabama in this game, but I, they might not score. I don't I'd like Alabama. I think that Georgia, this is Georgia's time. You can just feel it. Like they're going to win this game. And They probably will take pride in playing till the final whistle, letting Alabama score as few points as possible for all the previous years. I think this one, either Alabama is going to shock the world and stay right in it, or Georgia is going to blow them out.
2: We're going to find, I mean, Georgia has not, when I say they haven't been tested, uh, that is an understanding. I mean, they have rolled through everybody. And the thing that I take away from it the most, you can say, you know what? Okay. Well, Georgia plays on the other side. And besides Kentucky, I don't think there's a ton of great teams. Well, they did have a couple common opponents, Auburn and Arkansas, Alabama. Yeah, they got through Arkansas. They almost lost to Auburn. Georgia, dis- when I say dismantled, 37, nothing against Arkansas, 34, yep. 10 against Auburn on the road. Yeah. Georgia's just a different gear. They have like four or five running backs. Stetson Bennett's way better than I thought he was. And they have the best defense in the country by a long margin. So Alabama doesn't have
1: a running back. Like no. they've gotten by with all their Najee Harris's, Derrick Henry's like big physical running backs. Brian Robinson's pretty solid. He's hurt. He's probably not even going to play. Like
2: They need Bryce uh, Young to run. I don't know why he's so hesitant to not move. He clearly he can. Uh, I, I don't see in a game like this that they can rely just on these guys on the outside. I think that Georgia is going to get on top and really put the heat on them. I, I laid the points. I laid the
1: six. Yeah. That, I mean, pains me, but that's probably what I'm going to do. I
2: think that Bama. Uh, you know, not to talk playoff too much, but like, what do you think happens in that if Bama just loses a generic game? Are they out?
1: Probably I want them to be in and everybody else is so bad that you like maybe can make the case they should be in. But I, they I think they might be a top 14, but they just kind of aren't good enough. There's other more deserving teams, I guess. On yeah. a resume, it's a it's a tough call. Um, and you can't
2: put them at the problem. I think like they can't put them at four because then they just have to play Georgia, they're never right. gonna do so. That. Then you have to put them at three and is three? gonna
1: be overranking them, yeah. And so what are you gonna put a two-win team at three <laughs> and an undefeated team at four and serve exactly. up Cincinnati to get swallowed alive? Like that's pretty rude to Cincinnati. Like it's tough, it's tough. Um, Georgia's gonna be one. We'll see what that's happens after that. We'll see what happens after that. Um, speaking of Cincinnati and getting in, minus 450 on the money line to have the undefeated season. Ten and a half points, though. I haven't bet this game. I might bet Houston at ten and a half if I bet this game. This is probably the dog that interests me the most on the board. Um, Houston's been really good, and Cincinnati's going to have a lot of pressure on it in this game. And down the stretch, they haven't really been winning games as big as you would want them to to feel comfortable about them. So this is going to be Houston plus 10 and a half or pass for me. It's
2: going to be Houston plus 10 and a half. It's going to be Houston money line, Ah. Uh, small units. I think that Houston has a real shot here. This is a team. They lost the opener. They were up at halftime and they did not score in the second half against Texas Tech. They have not lost since 11 straight wins. They've looked fantastic. Clayton Toon knows what he's doing under center. They've got guys on the outside. They've got running backs. And they have serious guys on the front. And the one thing that Cincinnati really struggles with is pass protection. I know Ritter can diffuse that because he can move. I think this is going to be a very close game. I hope Cincinnati wins. And I do think they're the more talented team. Ten and a half yeah. is too much, though. I think that Cincinnati has struggled with a lot of inferior opponents. Uh, you, I think there's a real argument that this could be close to the best team that they've played this year. And, yes, I know they've played Notre Dame. Houston yep. is a very good team Dame by Dame far. frauds. Yeah. Get them out of here. I like the uh, new coach,
1: but Notre Dame just always a fraud in my
2: Um, I think Houston is really going to test them in a lot of ways that they haven't seen this year.
1: All right. I'm with you. I haven't bet it. I'll, I'll just make that a bet. I knew I was going to bet it. I don't know what I'm waiting for. for <laughs> yeah. 10 and a half was good. Value. Enough for <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Another 10 and a half point spread in the, uh, the big 10. We have Ohio state, a touchdown favorite. We have Wisconsin, a touchdown favorite. That's going to be the conference championship game. So of course we get Michigan and Iowa. Um, Michigan wins this game and they're they're in. It's as simple as that. Um, I think they win. 10 and a half is a bit much for me. I think they're gonna feel the pressure in this spot. but I don't know if I can bet on that Iowa offense. This is probably a pass for me, but I, I know it's really juicy. if you want you if you want to build a parlay, Michigan minus 450 is your piece to like get something down more of a four, five, six point favorite. Like if you like Oklahoma State, if you like San Diego State, a team like that, you get them down to win the game by taking Michigan to win the game. That's the way I'm looking at this. Nothing on the spread for me.
2: I I did just that with Georgia, actually. Like, I, I, you know, Georgia and Michigan to win the game. I I don't see how Iowa can score. I don't want to lay 10 and a half with a 43 point total. That's a pretty narrow window, but I, I just think Michigan ultimately. They're going to run the ball. Iowa can't do anything. They're using two quarterbacks. That just shows you how bad it is for them. Yes. They they've won four straight Northwestern by five, Minnesota by five, Illinois by 10, Nebraska by seven. That is not anything like Michigan. I think Michigan beats them, but I don't want to lay 10 and a half.
1: I was not, not good. I really, I, I was, I, had, I had a lot of bad beats in the last week of the regular season. I had Wisconsin, to win the uh, the That's big 10 West at plus 115 to start the season. I was just like, okay, I lost. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, Oh my God, it's alive. And they're minus seven <laughs> favorites the last uh, week of the regular season. And I lose it. Um, spectacular. Just like Oklahoma should have cashed me my bet uh, when they were up nine in the big 12 title game, but rough uh, season finale for me in the futures market. Um Okay. Game of the weekend, in in my opinion, my biggest bet, the one I'm most excited for, the one Samir, our producer, who uh, is wearing all his pit gear right now off camera. Wake Forest and Pittsburgh, ACC title game, Saturday night, 8 o'clock. This will be on the main screen for me with Michigan on the the side screen. This is the game. Um, I bet pretty big Pittsburgh at minus 2.5. Drafting Sportsbook right now has them at 3, minus 105. Um, you can still get some decent juice to buy the half point, which I think is worth it. Um, but I don't necessarily think we'll come into play two good offenses, but Kenny Pickett's the better quarterback and Pittsburgh has by far the better defense. Pittsburgh easy, simple call for me.
2: I've bet Pittsburgh a lot this year. Somehow I bet them against Western Michigan and Miami, two games. They never should have <laughs> lost, but I love what this team is all about. Pickett, Addison. The thing I want to highlight, though, they've got a trio of running backs, and this is where the weakness is. Wake Forest gives up 5.2 yards per rushing attempt, 113th in the country. I don't know how they're going to be able to stop that. Wake Forest only has one speed, just outscore everybody. It's not going to work against a team like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can score with them. We've seen this time and time again, and I just, I really respect what Wake has done all year. Pittsburgh... Uh, I think shows why they're the best in the AC similar to what we were saying at the beginning with Utah, Pittsburgh's
1: the best team in the ACC. And I think they show it. Yeah. All right. We are, we are pretty in line for this weekend Um, before we let you go. The two afternoon games that are decent, that I did skip over Utah state, um, San Diego state, San Diego state lay in the six app state and uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, ULL two and a half, three point dogs. Do you have anything, any strong feelings in those games? I haven't bet uh, either.
2: Neither have I. I don't know exactly. So Louisiana Lafayette, one of the many problems is their coach. uh, is Coach Florida now. I don't like messing around with situations like that. Utah State, San Diego State. The only thing I'll say about this, shout out to San Diego State's punter, who is the best punter I have ever seen, ever. Uh, He is absolutely unbelievable. Other than that, though, there's some of the ugliest teams, I think, that San Diego State with their defense. But as you mentioned, it's a six-point spread. I wouldn't want to mess around with that. The teams that we've talked about, I think we've honed in on to me, we see real angles. I've seen these teams a ton. Uh, I'm not looking to venture into conferences where I think there's a lot of parody weekend and week out
1: three phases of the game. Got to win special teams. You got to see this it. guy.
2: It's like an 80 yard punt, every punt. <laughs>
1: That's um, great. All right. That is uh, that is a college football segment. Um, ben Rasa of Osmo.com, thank you for joining us. Why don't you let us know what you got going on at Osmo right now? For
2: sure, yeah. So, obviously, with all the sports going on, very busy on the DFS side, but I will say, you know, Julian, obviously, I, I love this podcast. We've got some of ours as well, me and Matt Kajewski, breaking it down, doing the Osmo odds, and we have Odd Shopper, the tool, which is totally free. So, if you want to have some fun, stop on over Osmo.com,
1: explore, uh, and hope you'll be part of the community. Awesomo.com, one of my previous stops before yes, uh, getting on the full-time train at DraftKings. A lovely place, a lot of great content. Um, so, yeah, right after you, uh, you know, wake up, do all your research, you're reading the DraftKings playbook, you're reading Osmo.com, um, and you are cashing some tickets. Uh, ben, I'm excited for Friday night. I'm very excited for Saturday. Um, it seems like I want you to make money because I did wanna, right. yeah, we're in a lot of the same places. Um, That's right
3: team so, yes
1: uh we will inevitably probably be dming about some awful beat that comes our way but hopefully we win more than we lose i like it um oh and uh, coming up next I, i'm talking like the podcast is over coming up next we got james alberino he's going to give us a couple of nfl winners and then we're going to talk the nba uh and get on out of here All welcome back into the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Julian Edlow, and we are bringing in a repeat guest. You probably know him from some March Madness podcasts, from some NBA podcasts, and uh, obviously from his work at Spread Investor and on Twitter, at Spread Investor, James Alberino. James, how we doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks, as always, for having me on. Our pleasure here at the Unreasonable Odds podcast. You're here to talk NBA. Um But we're really quick. I teased it earlier. We're going to go to the NFL really quickly. We were talking about the Bengals-Chargers game. I said that you had a bet in this one. Um, I've bet two games so far. I'm on the Niners minus three and the Pats plus three. If there is a third game that I bet this weekend, and I'm treading very lightly in the NFL, it is going to be the play that you're about to give out right now.
3: I do like the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, minus three versus the Chargers. I bet them on Sunday versus the Steelers. And I think they keep going and roll with the momentum. Uh, I think some people got confused by the Bengals after they lost to the Jets and then they stumbled the next week after that. It it was a clear hangover right after they blew out the Ravens and then they lost their, their rhythm after the Jets game and that carried over to the following week. Leaves a lot of doubts in people's minds, but... Against the Steelers, they got back on track, dominated the ground game. Joe Mixon ran all over the Steelers. The pass rush and and the front seven for Cincinnati has been really aggressive, and they're doing a really good job. And it's a team that, you know, you have those type of wins. You beat the Ravens. You beat the Steelers in the fashion that you did. It brings a level of confidence that when you're playing up against top-tier teams, even outside of your division, you go into that game with a lot of confidence. The Chargers – have had problems with the, the run defense the entire season, and they've been yeah. overvalued for the past five, maybe six weeks, and they lose to the Broncos, a team that they shouldn't be losing to at this point in the season. Uh, I think the Bengals at home in this game, th- this is a really good spot, and you can't even say that the, the Chargers have really the edge with at, at quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow right, right on par. With everything that Herbert can do, I, I like the Bengals. Is.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And we talked about it earlier on the podcast, the Chargers cannot stop the run. They uh, statistically allow the most yards per game, I believe it is, on the ground. And Joe Mixon's been shredding lately. Um, we talked about that, his prop 86 and a half yards a lot. But I, I'm not betting the under on that for Mixon right now um, against this Chargers team. So. I'm with you there. The Chargers are a little overvalued. I don't know how we got there, but two weeks ago, that division was like a pick'em Chargers versus the, uh, or sorry, Chiefs versus the field. Um, scooped some Chiefs minus one ten there to win the division, and uh, uh, the Chargers were just due for some regression, and we're we're watching it happen. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I like the Bengals minus three a lot, and this one, that's that's a if I get on a third play this weekend, that's that's what it's going to be in the NFL. Um, but let's talk NBA. That is your wheelhouse. That is my wheelhouse. Um, that is where we where we go to and like to put a lot of our focus. <clears throat> Not the greatest uh, Thursday card as we record this on on Thursday, December 2nd. Um, but I see you got Nick's Bowles highlighted here. Let's uh, let's start there before we kind of go to the overall NBA conversation.
3: This is the third matchup with the Knicks and Bulls this season, which is a, a little crazy. We're only five weeks into the season, but yep. that's how the NBA packed it this, this year. Uh, first two games were both in Chicago. Knicks won and covered the first game. Second game, Knicks were on a back-to-back. They lost. They had a lead at the end of the third, and then Chicago ran away with it. Chicago was the better team the majority of that game, and they should have won. wasn't a good spot for the Knicks. I like the Knicks tonight. I bet them at plus two. A uh, couple reasons. Not It's a different reason why I, I took them in the first game and why I'm taking them tonight. But um, overall, the Knicks bench is better than the Bulls, and that's where I think the game is going to be decided. Kobe White is out for the Bulls, yep. has COVID, so he, th- that was as of a day ago. And beyond the eighth guy for the Bulls, they're not very deep with Kobe White and, and Patrick Williams out. They have Caruso, who's great off the bench, Io DeSumo, good piece off the bench, and Derrick Jones Jr. Those are the first three guys off the bench. It's a good group, but it's not deep beyond those three. The Knicks, in my opinion, have the best bench in the NBA. You bring Derrick Rose off the bench – Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and Nerlens Noel, those four guys, they whenever the Knicks starters trail in a game and the second unit comes in, it's almost automatic at this point that the that the bench unit is going to close the gap and and more likely than not take the lead. That's what happened with the Nets game on Tuesday night. And think the Knicks are going to be really, really honed in defensively. I'm all in for the, the move with Burke starting over Kemba. That's how I felt before Tuesday when I bet the Knicks against the Nets. He's six inches taller than Kemba Walker. It's a lot different. P- getting up a shot I'll against tell you. Six foot six. You saw I've it. Seen, seen firsthand, man. Like the, the
1: Celtics heat series in the bubble was the most exposed I've ever seen Kemba defensively. Spolsters just went back. Adam time after time after time. And Gordon Hayward was still had the ankle injuries. So the Boston wasn't deep enough to get anybody else in there for Kemba. They just abused him defensively. So, I mean, that move, uh, given the Knicks size without sacrificing much, if any, scoring um, is, is huge for them.
3: And it's tough. Look, Kemba's a New York City kid. I'm from New York city. I grew up my whole life. Kemba played in the same league in high school that I played. We're one year apart. I want him to succeed in the Knicks, but everything that I have felt about this move because of my liking for Kemba, it makes me feel like it's the right move business wise, team wise, whatever we want to label it. Um, but yeah, the Knicks are going to be better defensively for it. Uh, they already were. Burks was, Four of seven from three. His first game starting in in place of Kemba versus the Hawks the other night. Then he put up 25 points versus the Nets the other night. Um, I think that the loss versus the Nets is going to light a fire under the Knicks because of the way that it ended. Uh, There were a lot of calls that were very questionable at the end of that game, and in a two point loss that was decided by free throws, you had a technical foul called on Julius Randle with a minute and a half left to go. You had James Harden swipe and hit Julius Randle on the back on a, on a shot, not called. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to come in with a lot of fire tonight and you know, it's something that on paper you can't label and call it definitively, but I think you're going to see it in the way that the Knicks play tonight. I like the Knicks plus two and for them to win this game. Uh, Yeah. I I bet the Knicks
1: in the game that they did win against the bulls earlier um, in the season, this is probably the the it's the best game of the night in the NBA on Thursday. This is the game I would bet I would side with you there. And looking in the player props, you got Alec Burks, the guy that you've been mentioning over 16 and a half points is even money. Bigger number, but like he gets shots up. So that's a that's a prop that I'm eyeballing in that one. Um, something that I texted you that I thought would be would be good to talk about. You had a play on I believe it was Tuesday night on the Memphis Grizzlies plus three and a half in Toronto. Mm -hmm. It was an interesting handicap because you have, um, you have a lot of moving parts in that game. Um, John Morant gets hurt over the weekend. He's out. He's the bigger name that everybody wants to focus on, um, which, you know, maybe puts a little bit more value on the Memphis side. But on the Toronto side, you have some guys that are lesser names that are real scorers, specifically OG uh, Anunoby out, who's been like the scorer for, for Toronto Ooh. this year. Um, Gary Trent, another shooter on that lineup, out. And it created some value on Memphis. But my question to you is, what is your thought process when capping a game like that? Because I think one of the more difficult things to do is figure I think that's an easy game to scroll past, is what I'm trying to say. Because you sure. say, Oh, there's guys hurt on this side and we haven't seen much of a sample size of it. There's guys hurt on this side and we haven't seen much of a sample size on it. Neither team is really anything special. So how do we bet it?
3: Yeah. And I, I would say first off, when it comes to injuries, I, like you said, I think the I think your first inclination as a better and, and human tendency is to scroll past it, to, to be a little worried about it because there is unknown. And I think really the more I personally bet, the what helps me is I think that injuries create opportunities because yeah. for as little as the public knows about injuries and how it's going to shape out, Hey, there's sports book directors and there's guys that are setting lines that they're focused on the Saints Cowboys tonight. They're focused on big NFL games. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of guys watch the NBA day in and day out to make an assessment, a very good assessment, I should say, on when a star player like John Morant is, is out of the lineup. And how is that going to affect the team in the first couple of games? Uh, long story short, I, I watch NBA six, sometimes seven nights a week. Like it, it's it's different when you actually are watching the games and how the rotations are playing without certain guys is there between that and reading articles from someone who may or may not be watching it every single night and and is putting up something for content. And that's no disrespect to, to some of the content that's out there, but, um, you know, I I don't know certain things about the NFL or college football because I'm not watching it as closely as I am the NBA. So, um, I think it's it's case by case, but that specifically the the Raptors. I've been fading them most of the season, and their offense hasn't had an identity, a good one at least yet, the whole season. Ever since Kyle Lowry left, uh, Siakam right. came in in the middle portion of of the start of the season, and then Oji Adanubi is the number one scorer. Gary Trent was um, was questionable, so I I felt like that w- there was a chance with him being out. So let me get ahead of the news and bet that early. Uh, And the thing with the Grizzlies, keep an eye on this. Jaron Jackson really steps up without John Morant. In seven games without John Morant prior to the one where we bet them on Tuesday, he's averaged 24 points per game without John Morant. This season with John Morant and the whole season, he's averaging 16 points per game. So it's a big jump. And with guys like Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, this is a deep team. I bet on the deeper team and a team that's young and, and scrappy uh, and, a, and a final nugget on the Raptors going forward. They're one and nine against the spread at home so far. Julian, let's talk about this real quick. I know we're a little short on time. Go no ahead. one's really talking about this. The Raptors spent all of last year last season in Tampa away from their families. Yes. Now they come back short off season. It's their first time home for extended period of time. I think that's really affecting them because your day-to-day and everything you 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 haven't seen your kids you haven't seen your girlfriend's wives i think that plays a role into it and and no one's that i know of at least has spoken about it yet yeah i I like
1: that angle and uh you know the second game that i was going to mention actually on this card the raptors are at home on thursday they're a four-point dog only problem is it's a short number on the box you look at it it's a short number on the box Problem is we know that game on Wednesday night um, had to put a lot of energy into that comeback yeah. against yeah. Charlotte. So probably a stay away spot, right? A letdown spot for the Bucs, but it's tempting on the short number.
3: Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. I really wanted to bet the Bucs. I was hoping last yeah. night wasn't a strenuous game, but yeah, you exert that much energy in the comeback. I can't bet it, but I can see the Bucks coming out slow and having enough talent to pull it out. Let's see if if Budenholzer sits anybody or how they manage minutes. But in terms of talent for talent, Bucks laying four not even. This not isn't even, close. even this isn't close to, to Bucks Raptors from 2019, 20. Not not even close. The Raptors, the Raptors are not a playoff team in, in this Eastern Conference. That that I'm very confident in. Yeah, uh, you
1: can't – I mean, I don't bet NBA games really when a team is on a back-to-back early in the day, as we're talking now, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. Um, you can't bet it because, you know, like Giannis could sit this game. You never know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if, if this is anything close to Bucks full strength, I will be tested right up into tip-off to not bet it. We'll see who's in out. And then, like you said, if this is, you know, Bucks down seven, eight points after the first quarter and Giannis and most of those guys are in – i'll probably get
3: in on that game live um, at that point honestly what i do with certain games like this where the matchup you have so many advantages but the spot is risky and you know there's like a a 65 70 percent chance of them maybe not being 100 percent, just bet it's smaller like yep we put some money on it it's not going to decide my night or my week but like put a little bit on it and yeah. and you know
1: not only not only that play it smaller, but like like I said, getting in live, like give yourself a little peek. You know, maybe yep. they start yep. slow, but it's a game that you think they look like they can come back in. Yep. Um, you give yourself that little sneak peek. Um, all right. So that's Thursday in the NBA. Let's go a couple big picture things before we get out of here. Um, the Lakers, they're a disaster. LeBron's their LeBron list for a little while. Um, Russell Westbrook had one of the worst quarters that i've ever seen from him against the kings worst quarters worst halves he did spark a third quarter comeback albeit against the sacramento kings um you know this team's right where they were last year kind of in the bottom of the western conference playoff picture yet at the top of the board let me uh, i didn't even i should have pulled up the futures tab here on DraftKings Sportsbook. sports book they are T- plus 850 to win it all behind the Nets, Warriors and Bucks.
3: So fourth um, shortest are at DK 850
1: at DraftKings, yeah, to win it fourth, all.
3: Fourth shortest, wow. Fourth shortest. Um
1: talk to me about the Lakers in the futures market because you got LeBron. Anytime you got LeBron, you know something it's tough to bet against LeBron, put it that way. He can he can drag nearly anything to the finish line. But talk to me
3: about why the Lakers are overvalued in the futures market. They're not the fourth best team in the NBA. That's for sure. Not even when they're fully healthy. Um, Definitely, this is priced because of the automatically, yes, LeBron can do it all. and Look, LeBron can overcome things and challenges in the NBA that 99.9% of the league cannot. Um, Kevin Durant my, and maybe Giannis are, the, are two of the only guys, in Kawhi when he's fully healthy, um, we could throw Curry in that conversation. Guys that can carry and elevate a team to another level like LeBron does. Aside from that, though, this team is just constructed poorly. They still haven't figured out their starting five, and DeAndre Jordan shouldn't be starting on this team. Uh, Russell Westbrook on the court with LeBron together is not the right fit. They need and and Russ, his ego might get in the way of this, but Russell Westbrook would be better coming off the bench so that him and LeBron, who are two ball dominant players, don't have to split. And, and, you know, if you notice, Russell Westbrook plays really good games sometimes when LeBron James is out. And that's not a coincidence. That's why
1: I I took Russell. I took uh, Westbrook's points, rebounds, assists when LeBron was ruled out of that game against sacramento which i've cashed a couple of times this year his start was so putrid that he never got there he missed it by like three or four if he put anything but goose eggs across the board in the first quarter it would have gotten.
3: yeah and i just don't know if even when the lakers do figure out their optimum lineup if it's really a clean slate ahead of them they're they're going to have challenges that even when they figure this thing out there's a lot of competition in the way. The Suns are really good. Still not getting mm-hmm. talked about it, which on a 17-game win streak, it's the most underrated 17-game win streak. The Utah Jazz last year on their 19-game win streak, it was like they couldn't get out of your face. It was it was all over the place. Um, the Warriors, when they get Klay Thompson, they're better than, than the Lakers. Yeah, uh, When the Clippers get fully healthy, they're deeper than, than the Lakers. Um, the Nuggets, when they get Jamal Murray back <laughs> – I love the Nuggets when they're fully healthy. The 10 and 11 record right now, that's a product of the last week and a half being really tough for them. Yep. With Jamal Murray back and Will Barton healthy, this is a really good team out of the West. Um, out of the East, the Bucks are better. The Nets are better. The Heat went, in, especially and Bam out of bio, He just got hurt, but they're better. Um, I'm not even going to count the Hawks as being better than the Lakers, but when the Hawks figure their, their stuff out, They might be better than the Lakers all in all together with these injuries. And we could say, all right, when LeBron comes back, when Davis comes back, these guys can't play a full 82 games. So they're going to be in the middle of the pack of the Western conference by the end of the season. They, they're not going to get home court advantage for the, for the, the entire playoffs. The Lakers are not winning the title this year. I don't see them even winning the West. I think it's the Suns and the warriors are going to be in the Western conference finals. And I, I think we're just going to see these odds get get higher and higher and higher. So the Lakers are a fade for me, man.
1: I was going to say after that game the other night, and we'll touch on the rematch on Friday really quickly before we get out of here. Um, conference winner wise, like I do have a tough time seeing it not be the Warriors or the Suns, which you can split right now at like you can go Warriors plus two ninety, Suns plus four hundred. I would feel pretty comfortable with one of those, one of those getting out of there. Um, what else before we talk about those two teams going at it again um, in the futures market jumps out to you for value? Because when a team like the Lakers is eating nuggets. so much of the value up, it has to create more elsewhere.
3: Nug- nuggets to win the West, but that doesn't mean bet it right now because I, I would bet it. I would bet it a little bit closer. When, the, when there's more clear news on Jamal Murray coming back. It's still indefinitely mm-hmm. that he's out, uh, but it's early in the season. We still have close to 60 games left. So if he comes back and it's sometime around February, March, this team is dangerous. Um, this, is, this is a roster that, that gave the Lakers everything that they could handle in the bubble in that Western Conference Finals. It was 4-2. The Nuggets embarrassed the Clippers that year. And the n- Nuggets, when they get Murray back, are going to be a lot closer to that bubble team than they were to the 2020 team that had injuries and started Campazzo and Austin Rivers, who was a free agent two months prior to signing <laughs> with the Nuggets. So I love the Nuggets in the futures market and also on the Eastern Conference. I think the Heat are the best team in the Eastern Conference when Bam Adebayo is healthy. Yeah, and he's out for value. a while now. In terms of value, we could talk about them being close to the Bucks, yes, and to the Nets, yes, but the nuts, Nets and Bucks are priced so much more expensive than the Heat, so all the value in, in the Eastern Conference is with the Miami Heat.
1: I totally agree with you there on Miami. Um, all right, last topic before we get out of here. We got an awesome game between the Suns and Warriors in Phoenix on Tuesday night. Um I thought I was pretty sharp when I got in there on my plus one twenty five on the Warriors uh, when the Booker injury news got announced. Phoenix dug in defensively in that game. Golden State scored half of its points forty eight points in the first seventeen minutes, forty eight points the rest of the way in the last thirty one minutes. Um, it was a great game. We got a rematch Friday night in uh, in San Francisco. Different game, though. Now you got the Warriors at home. You likely, it sounds like we have no Devin Booker um, for this game, which will be factored into that line. And then you got Phoenix playing the second night of a back-to-back. They're at home, 12-point massive favorites tonight against the uh, Detroit Pistons on Thursday. Anytime you have these rematches in the NBA, I have the team that lost the first one kind of circled, and now they're at home, and now there's no Devin Booker. So I just hope it's not laying too many points, but this is probably going to be a Warriors play for me on Friday night. What do you think this number is going to be? Where are you at in this game?
3: Yeah, I'm with you on all the angles, the rematch angle. You know, uh, we we both love that. And I I want to say, so if if this opened in Phoenix at Phoenix minus two and a half, now you throw Booker out. Yeah, maybe maybe Warriors minus three three and a half at home. Right, two and a half. So it should, um, like in theory it would be there at what like Warriors
1: minus one and a half two with Booker you just kind of I would say pr-
3: yeah I I no I think I think I think the books had the Warriors probably rated slightly better than the Suns prior to the first game so I think it you might have seen minus three or at minus two and a half I think at at, at the lowest if Booker was healthy for this game. So I think we might see three and a half, um, a little bit overreaction to the Devin Devin Booker news. Personally, I'm not comfortable laying three and a half, if that's the case. I think it's too much of an adjustment. I think the Suns are too deep to, to really be comfortable with that. That said, I wouldn't bet the Suns in the game. My lean would be to the Warriors, but I just don't love the number. What number? What number will it take for you to bet uh, go, two. two on a Golden State would, on Friday I night? I don't need two. I, I think the Suns are just that good. The Suns, Aiden still is the best big man on the court, and by far. You you could you could split up minutes. They're they're just they have guys to go to between Bridges, CP3, Crowder, Cam Johnson off the bench, campaign off the bench. It's they're they're a lot more than just Devin Booker. That is for sure. Um, all right,
1: James Alberino of Spread Investor. Uh, you got anything going on? Anything you want to tell us about other than to follow at Spread Investor on Twitter?
3: Uh, you could just follow on Twitter. And I, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I, I follow the NBA really closely. And, you know, I, I try to just bring that aspect to Twitter and, and the industry. I know a lot of people cover football throughout the week. And um, I, I'm, you know, I try to bring in, side side money uh let's call it with the nba where a lot of people that's not their focus but if i could if i could bring in some basketball knowledge and some stuff that you weren't planning on betting and and give you a couple reasons to bet that that's really which is what i try to do on twitter there you go plenty of free plays on twitter with write-ups
1: not everybody writes it up they just tweet out the play you get a lot of write-ups at spread investor on twitter um all right james thank you for uh thank you for joining us man thanks as always man we'll talk soon Yes, uh, that is another episode of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. You got your NFL, you got your college football um, conference championship talk, you got your NBA talk. Um, Good luck to all of you guys in week 13 conference championship games, NBA. We will be back with a Tuesday podcast. I believe that makes it December 7th uh, next week, Um, as well as a Thursday podcast with a guest. Uh, December's here, it's the holidays. We're giving. We will be giving away to you. There will be free bets. Steve Buchanan and I will maybe even be refunding some of your bets that you lose because we're in a good mood and it's the holidays. So follow on Twitter um, at Unreasonable Odd, the podcast, and uh, we will have plenty to do here in the month of December.